0: It sounds just as someone who's been in Tucson a while that um Ed, you're you're looking more toward the Bob Walk-up sort of approach and that Raheena, you're looking more at the Jonathan Rothschild approach. Is that kind of Ed, what what do you think about that? You're not exactly jumping, yeah, on, board not exactly jumping anal- on board with this <laughs> analysis. That,
1: but- but I do believe that uh, the way the structure of the government is set up, that the city manager is in charge of the day-to-day operations of the city of Tucson. And it's uh, although there's constituent services in each of the ward offices and the council members handle those, those constituent services, they are referred to staff uh, for implementation and to rectify those situations. What the mayor's position is is to be a policy setting, the mayor and council set policy, and they, they uh, direct the staff and the city council, uh, city manager and the staff as to um, what priorities we need to be working on. And so uh, I, I would, I would uh, Bob was more of, uh, of kind of a laid back uh, leader. Um, I'm a little bit more hands on and uh, strong, powerful leadership. But let the people on the staff do their job and do it very well and make sure that they they do things. I I do want to mention, too, that the the mayor's position, uh, what's really important about the mayor's position is, although we have a lobbyist for the city of Tucson, uh, the mayor obviously is interacting with the government, uh, the the governor, with the uh, state legislature, with the federal officials, the federal delegation, even with the president of the United States And in certain cases. uh, Vice President Pence is here today and the mayor Uh, most likely is is engaging in that process and so the mayor has a a really important role in the uh, governance of of both state and federal issues and i think that is an important thing Uh, a strong mayor that would be so I, i wouldn't characterize myself necessarily being a bob walkup style mayor but being more of a ceo style mayor where the um the day-to-day operations are being taken care of by who they should be.
2: Well, okay, I, and <laughs> I just want to I just want to respond a little bit because we need I've to move on to other I've questions because I think yeah. we've covered.
0: And if, we've I, covered if I may just respond because I work with both. Yeah. <laughs> I work
2: with both Walkup right. and and Mayor Rothschild, and, and I'm fortunate to have both of their endorsements. But I think every single person, an individual, mm-hmm. forges their oh, their, of their road. Sure. You know, but but yes, I, I I want to forge my road, but with the Example: Seeing the example of Mayor Walkup and 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 Hmm. Rothschild and Volgy, by the way, has also endorsed me. So, So, um,
0: a couple specific questions for uh, that for each of you. Um, Ed, you have been a lifelong Democrat Mm -hmm. uh, registered. You did not run in the Democratic primary. You switched to be an independent. Was why was that? I, I think. A reasonable question is to to ask if you wanted to avoid the Democratic primary and get on the general um, election ticket that way, or tell us why you've changed and why you're an independent now. First off,
1: I need to say that anyone thinks that
0: going the independent
1: route is an easy route is misguided because the amount of signatures one has to get to even be considered for the ballot is formidable and that process is very uh, difficult without a party behind you, and you're doing it basically independently by yourself. So to say that to run through the independent route is an easier way to go, it is not really uh, true. It, it's, it's maybe as difficult or more difficult. Um, I was registered. I, I, my family, uh, who came to Tucson in 57, uh, I'm the youngest of seven, and my parents were uh, Depression-era Democrats. They grew up in Needles, California. They uh, lived through World War II. They lived through the Depression, and they were um, patriotic, work hard. Um, I like to say that we we were uh, Kennedy Democrats in the sense that that patriotism and that ask not what you can do for what your city can do for you, ask what you can do for your city. Uh, I was born into the Catholic faith, and I was born into the Democratic uh, politics machine because of my family. And certainly, I have people in my family, I'm the youngest of seven, I have some that are uh, right-wing registered Republicans and some that are left-wing, uh, just in my own brothers, just these are my brothers I'm talking about. So we have a diversity just within our own family. I think running as an independent was a calculated political move, which is actually, if you think about it, it has a, it has a reason. Uh, the Democrats have a formidable uh, grasp on the city government and other areas, and because they've have been able to do that for some time, there is the, the, the walk-ups, the mayor walk-ups are rare to be able to be uh, elected from the Republican Party. All you have to do is look at the numbers. There's 56,000 registered Republicans, about 80,000 registered independents, and 126,000 Democrats registered in the city of Tucson. Um, the only way a Republican or a more conservative person could actually uh, compete against the 126,000 is to combine the independent and the Republican vote together. That equals more than what that uh, Democratic base is, and so it's a political strategic move to try and see if a more moderate, um, middle-of-the-road kind of fiscally conservative person could actually get on the council uh, with uh, and and not running as a fiscally conservative, moderate, non-progressive Democrat. Uh, with all due respect. Uh, th- they, they that's not what the Democratic Party is in Tucson they' they're more uh, uh, progressive and that's um, and that's great but if you don't fit into that mold then you look, look at a different uh, situation so that's why we ran as an independent
0: so did you cons- so it sounds like you're saying that knowing running as a Republican did you consider running as a I Republican? I did consider running
1: as a Republican but there is no uh, there is no way that a Republican in in modern uh, just the totals, you, there's a, very, very difficult for a Republican to win in a citywide race with uh, a two to one registration. Uh, it just would have to be a rare case that a person would be able to capture enough votes uh, to win. And so, uh, what I think is really important, I don't want to have this missed, is that there are 80,000 registered independents in the city of Tucson. 80,000. And that means there's a lot of people that are unaffiliated or have no party affiliation recorded on their registration. And that just may be an anomaly in Tucson, but that is a significant number. It's more than the Republicans, and it's approaching a, a significant number matching the Democrats. And I think that we need to be cognizant of that and the fact that there is an extraordinary number of people who don't affiliate with a party right now who are just looking for some governance and some leadership in their city government. Okay.
0: Um, and, Regina, kind of moving on that, you're known as very progressive, very liberal um, council from Ward 1, um, you're not shy about that at all. And, but the, the reputation and the concern that that can bring to businesses, to working with the state legislature, which is very conservative, how do you answer that question that you might just be too progressive, not for Ward 1, but for the leadership mayoral job because it's different.
2: Well, I'll I'll say that um we just recently had a primary and 50% of democrats in in Tucson selected me as their representative, their nominee to be um the it, democratic nominee for this for this election and so in word 1 I, in word one, one. No, in city oh, no, city citywide. Wide. Okay. Citywide. Okay. Citywide it was 50.2%. I I just know that number. Um, (laughs) And so it it means that um, people in Tucson are not only seeing uh, what others that have less knowledge of my track record put in front of them. I think that voters uh, in Tucson uh, see that I have a track record of being – uh, socially progressive, and like you said, I'm, I'm, i you know, I'm very proud of my track record on that. But I'm also very proud of the track record that I have in economic development, um, and uh, what I believe in in terms of progress and prosperity for our city. Um, I have a a very diverse coalition of supporters. That's why I wanted to have a super lefty as a co-chair, Carolyn Campbell, and a Republican as a co-chair, Cody Ritchie. We got beat up because we did that. Um, But I will be a mayor for every single Tucsonan, Uh, anyone from the super left to to the right. Um, There are issues in our community that do not have a D or an R after them, good parks, good roads, uh, good public transportation, um, and a good quality of life for each and every single Tucsonan, every single Tucsonan, no matter of their political philosophy. And uh, what I want to do is I want to make sure that we create economic opportunity for every single child and every family in in this city, and those that want that choose to come here. Um, and stay here from the University of Arizona. So um, I have uh, a really good coalition of support throughout the country. Um, I have um, all the female mayors and many other mayors in the state of Arizona have endorsed my candidacy. Um, I have a good relationship with our congressional delegation. Uh, Senator Sinema endorsed in me in the primary. Um, Congressman Grijalva, Congressman Gallego, now Congressman Greg Stanton. So I forged these relationships throughout my tenure as a city council member. Uh, state legislators uh, up in Phoenix, um, all of the um, minority party, I have relationships throughout you know, uh, the state legislature. And so I plan to continue working on that Um forging relationships with the with the governor's office with the state legislature and with the business community here in Tucson so that we can do this together because you, you mentioned
0: that you have good relationships with the minority party in the mm-hmm. legislature yes so, what do you do? What steps would you take to create relationships with? And that's the... when
2: we have to lobby, right? When, when, um, as mayor, I will have to take lobbying trips up to D.C. I will have to take lobbying trips up to uh, Phoenix to make sure that we are establishing those relationships with across the aisle. And um, I will, um, I will uh, work with the business community here in Tucson. That will that is ready to help, uh, Trio and Southern Arizona Leadership Council and the Chambers of Commerce, uh, Rio Nuevo Board. Um, I have relationships with, with all of these um, organizations. Good and relationships. Will, good relationships. Yeah, good relationships. Um, and I don't, I don't think. I don't think that the people that say. Well, Regina is not good for the business community. I don't think they really know my track record and my voting record. Uh, They like to see what is printed because that's the glitzy, glamorous stuff. But when we're sitting, and I think Ed has been there in a few times, we're sitting in the dais really uh, working on economic development issues, voting um, on issues of infil um, incentives and uh, the government property lease excise tax, which is the G I have my voting record mirrors that of Mayor Rothschild. And so I really don't know what to pinpoint at that there's people losing their mind uh, because I' I'm, I'm you know running for mayor and and will become the next mayor of the city of Tucson. Um, and so, I, I look at my track record. Look at my philosophy in working across the aisle. Uh, we've done a lot of really good work, uh, and I continue. I, I want to continue as mayor. Continue working on that and developing more relationships with, with the governor's office and and the state legislators up in Phoenix.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say in regards to running as an independent, what I have told my uh, constituents is is that I'm running as a Tucsonan, and these issues that I'm running on, which are police and fire, roads, parks, and economic development, are not Republican issues or Democrat issues. They're Tucsonan issues, and this, my whole campaign is about jump in. That's the theme that we use, and jump in is for you to get involved and for you to jump in and help solve these problems that have been lingering for quite some time. And now that we have a little bit more uh, economic infrastructure in place where we can afford to do some things we need to get our police and fire back up to the numbers that they need to be and we need to fix these roads, and we need to take the 225 million dollars over nine years for the parks and improve these parks so that because those things are what are mandated by the city charter they're not things that we just might want to do they're they're mandated by the city charter so i'm running as a Tucsonan not as a a political person and i am too (laughs) both of you have brought up uh, economic corridors in Tucson that you'd like to see uh, kind of expanded. Uh, I'm wondering what areas specifically you're referring to, to, and I'm wondering if you would support uh, expanding use of the G-Plet in those corridors in order to get them kind of going, kind of start them up.
2: Well, what we've requested from the uh, Planning Development Services Office and the Economic Development Office is that they present to Mayor and Council a draft we've seen a draft I believe it was back in May that we received a draft from these two offices uh, to present to us the economic development corridors and we see in those the um, Oracle corridor uh, we're doing a lot of work in the city of, of Tucson which I absolutely deeply believe in which is the thrive in the 05 mostly located in Ward 3 um, but in Ward 3 we see corridors such as Oracle Road First Avenue Grant grant in alvernon area has been talked about as a area that needs a huge investment um 22nd street from alvernon all the way to um to uh, harrison there are uh, the sunshine mile is a perfect example la doce is another example in ward 5 park avenue um, has been selected, and Kino Parkway has been selected as economic investment corridors. And those corridors would be um, not just jeeplets, and we can consider that uh, for those corridors, but also um, uh, zoning, you know, the underlying zoning. How can we do... Um, uh, mixed use zoning, especially in areas where we have abandoned big boxes in our community, so that we could see those those areas revitalized, especially along the transit lines. So you see mixed uses, right? You see commercial. You see the possibility of adding on top um, um, housing affordability, and and using those huge parking lots, breaking up the asphalt, planting trees, making it uh, like a plaza, a a center of that space. Um, We see many examples of these economic development corridors in other cities, and there are many things that we can do uh, to help revitalize those areas. We didn't we started when we were working in our downtown we started kind of seeing okay what are the examples that we see throughout Arizona throughout other cities to make it work Um, and so we have an opportunity to expand what we've been working on downtown and take it um, to those areas we need to make sure that we're working with stakeholders right the property owners the neighborhoods surrounding those corridors what is it that they want to see But again, like I said, with the Small Business Incentive Program, uh, if we do public-private partnerships, connect developers um, that want to see mixed uses to low-income housing tax credits, um, to create some affordable housing on top of commercial, um, kind of like urban centers. Okay. Uh, And so I I want to make sure that we see that. And there's many areas throughout the city. I just mentioned a few. And. Ed?
1: I would say that uh, first off, in regards to the incentive programs, we have to have a, a plan for the back end of those. So when they do end, when that incentive ends in a certain number of years, that there is a, a plan in place to make sure that that uh, group, of that developer and that, that those companies that are involved in that uh, continue on with us and in a partnership. Um, and, you know, there, by law, obviously, there's a date certain when that ends. And then. Uh, what do we do next, and how do we make sure that those organizations uh, continue to ful- fulfill the economic stimulus that they were intended to do? And just because a date comes along, is that the reason that then the stimulus maybe perhaps ends? And so I think there needs to be a visionary purpose for those and to make sure that that those happen. If we do transfer those to other areas of the city and make those available, um, South 12th Avenue, I think, is a perfect example of a place that could use some stimulus uh, from the city to help in that area. And there is a plan in place there and has been talked about for some time. Another plan that is already uh, in paper and already documented is the Stone Avenue Corridor, which was worked on quite some time ago and has a plan in place that was uh, never really implemented or funded. And so those are two that are already in existence that could be um, uh, looked at as a possible uh, place where some incentives could be given. There's also talk about Houghton Road, the uh, expansion of Houghton Road, and what kind of industry out there could take place out there. Um, Again, these corridors that have these large big box, an example would be the Kmart uh, to Broadway and Cole, where there's a large uh, facility that's and that could be turned into a small business opportunity center and be repurposed as similar to what we've done, not we, but what the governments and non NGOs and, and nonprofits did at the uh, uh, Center for Opportunity out on South Palo Verde. Can you repurpose some of these buildings into an economic stimulus and give them small business opportunity out there? Another thing that I have suggested in terms of police and fire is uh, one of the problems that uh, with a smaller force is uh, getting to calls on a timely basis. And certainly there are some, uh, obviously there's uh, fire stations all over town, but there's also police, uh, larger police stations. To do some smaller uh, police outlets at some of these places like, for instance, Broadway and Colb, if we uh, repurpose that, uh, if the landlord would allow repurposing of that into a small business uh, center, um, to include in that place, uh, uh, we could we could put a police uh, a, a mini police station there so that the police are closer to the to the places that they need to go. In um, speaking with Chuck Huckleberry from the Pima County, also assets uh, a good example of this is parks um, that the county does really good with parks. The city does okay with parks, but allocation of resources and moving resources from one end to another as part of the economic corridors and the stimulus to have a place where Uh, we can share some resources with county parks and so that um, all the equipment doesn't have to come from one place but that it's out in the field and already accessible and and this was a discussion I had with Mr. Huckleberry for quite some time about where are some opportunities for consolidation that could be incorporated into some of these new think about it from a different perspective and not just do it the way we've always done it because that's the way we've always done it but think creatively and how some of these economic uh, stimulus areas could be revitalized by both private industry, but also by government and even some collaboration between governments to make that happen.
0: Okay, well, we are at about an hour. Do you have a 405? Yes, sorry, thank you. We need to talk about 405. So um, the proposition 405 on the ballot, Two oh five. Two oh five. Sorry. Two oh five. Oh my God! Where does that get in? Two oh five. Two oh five. The sanctuary city, known uh, it's shorthand. So, if you could explain your position on it, if you support it or not, and if elected mayor, what you would do if the outcome of the vote is not what would align with your your own beliefs. Ed, why don't you start?
1: Okay, I'm against the Proposition 205. I'm against the initiative. Uh, the way it's written is, is not in congruence with uh, what we need for the City of Tucson. I'll preface what I say next by saying that Tucson has long been a welcoming city. We have long helped people who have come through our city asking for help and support, and I think we need to continue that uh, welcoming bienvenidos concept that we have had for so many years. I am also not in favor of the label Sanctuary Cities into the future. And so, um, becoming a sanctuary city, although it has a noble idea behind it, would bust the bank for for our economic uh, situation. What do I mean by that? Well, first off, uh, the the obvious uh, threat from the state government that 135 million up to 150 million dollars in state shared revenue could be at risk because it's counter to the state law that Representative Finch, Fincham has uh, proposed and has passed uh, that. Uh, local ordinances need to be in congruence with state law and some might argue that the state is bullying the city in that regard and saying that you have to conform to to what we say Um, and as a charter city perhaps uh, there's some argument there. But just in the reality of that is we can't afford to lose the $135 million, $150 million in state shared revenue and so we have to be very careful with that. Secondarily, the initiative itself is uh, counterproductive in terms of law enforcement. And uh, what it asks our local law enforcement to do to not cooperate with the federal officials just affects us in so many different areas, and the FBI and the DEA and other places where uh, we need to have that collaboration with those federal officials and federal law enforcement. The third reason that I am against the concept of sanctuary cities is an economic reason, and it's really a simple economic thing. Again, sanctuary cities is a noble concept in helping people who are in uh, less served populations and people who are coming to our country seeking asylum and so forth. Uh, those are we need to help those people and do whatever we can to do that. But labeling ourselves a sanctuary city from a political perspective and an economic perspective is not in the long-term best interest of the city of Tucson. Here's the reason why: we basically then tell everybody who lives, you know, east of the Rockies, uh, south of uh, uh, the Canadian border, uh, over to the Appalachians and down to Corpus Christi, Texas, saying we're a sanctuary city, and that heartland, are many people in that heartland are people who, who do not believe in that concept and do not want to be supportive of that, and and unfortunately perhaps or fortunately have a perspective of maybe the current administration about people coming into our country. If we label ourselves a sanctuary city, we are basically saying to those folks, don't come to Tucson we don't need your money we don't need you to visit we don't need you to come and start a business here and that is not in the long-term best interest we can solve this problem locally about the people that are coming to our community that need our care and our compassion and our support in other ways other than labeling ourselves a political name that Dudley doesn't even have a legal definition to it why would we want to do that in the long term instead let's work together as a community to solve these issues and to give the support to these people that need it while at the same time making sure that our economic stability is in place So, it's counterintuitive but if we tell people don't come to tucson They are the engine that gives us the economic stimulus through sales tax and through the bed tax and through other things that allows us to have the money to help the people that we're hoping to help and so it just is a backwards view of that let's not call ourselves a sanctuary city let's be welcoming and supportive and do everything we can in our power to help these folks but let's not fall into this political trap of calling ourselves something that is needless to do at this point
2: okay are you now? Um, my position on this issue has been well recorded. I do not support this initiative as written. Um, but you know, Tucson is the original sanctuary city. Back in the 80s, um, uh, Reverend John Fife and the Southside Presbyterian and many other churches in our community um, formed a coalition of support for asylum seekers. Uh, from South America, including Mexico, and uh, which is in North America. Um, (laughs) Just want to be geographically correct. And so um, you know, Tucson has a long history and tradition of helping immigrants and asylum seekers um, throughout the world. And so it was a very difficult position for me to take, but but, being, you know, more than 20 years being a uh, immigrant rights activist, um, a person that has um, that has for a long, long time advocated, and actually, I'm glad that you like Ed, the immigrant welcoming um, designation because I worked really hard with uh, many stakeholders in the community, including TPD, uh, to get. Th- to that place. And being an immigrant welcoming community also included the change in general orders at Tucson Police Department on how to treat um, undocumented residents of the city of Tucson. And so uh, we pushed as hard as we possibly could with TPD, uh, my office, um, ACLU, Derechos Humanos, so many others at the table to get us to a place where we are now. And so unfortunately the people that wrote this initiative didn't do that. Uh, They sat down, they wrote what they felt was appropriate to them, and um, really didn't work with a community of stakeholders, not the city, not TPD, not any one of us that had been involved in this process before. And so What they did was one thing that is very concerning to me, which is the cooperation uh, with federal agencies and TPD. This cooperation limited will affect the type of work that our police department can do on child trafficking, on drug trafficking, on major issues and major issues Work that we cooperate with federal governments, um, that's really concerning. That's why, as written, it is very concerning. The other thing is um, the uh, funds that we could lose. And by the way, Governor Ducey already announced that he would aggressively work to pool $126 million of state shared revenue that belonged to the residents of Tucson. Um, Our representative Fincham and others have already threatened the city of Tucson that if if this passes, um, that they will pull our state shared revenue. So saying that, I believe that the culprit is not the city of Tucson. The city of Tucson is ahead of any other city in Arizona in terms of how we treat our immigrant communities and residents here. Uh, we're not the problem. The problem is SB 1070 in the state. The problem is the state and the problem is the Trump administration. And so hitting the city of Tucson uh, with the possibility of getting such a big financial hit uh, doesn't make sense to me. I will grab hands and unified with the writers of this initiative and the backers of this initiative, and help fight the good fight against the Trump administration and what he's doing in separating families and caging children. I will grab hands with any of the people that support this and march up to the state legislature and demand that they repeal SB 1070, but the city of Tucson is not the problem. And so the financial risk is way too much for okay. me, and we have to govern. Uh, Five hundred and fifty-sixty-six million million is, is our general fund, which we have flexibility with. $126 million hit is very, very bad. Okay. That, th- then we would have to start talking about what we cut. And so it hurts me because I have been on the line in, in this. I have been very vocal and have pushed all of the issues that have gotten the city to where we are uh, today. Um, but uh, it could hurt it could hurt those that we want to protect the most if we get a 126 million dollar hit
0: okay well we are actually out of time we have our sports <laughs> folks at the uh yeah they're amassing outside the door <laughs> so we have to to end it there um i want to say thank you very much you. for taking the time to be with us and for answering the questions and shedding a lot of light on on the mayor's race in Tucson, thank, thank you. you so much, Honor today. to be here. Thank, thank
2: you. you, Jill. Thank you.